Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it. for the possible win. Snap, spot, kick away, high enough, long enough. It's good! It's good! Carolina has won the game on a 42-yard field goal by freshman Hunter Burr. Good gosh, dirty. This is the Heel Tough Blog Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnotta, with you guys as always. And today it is time to recap the 2023 NFL Draft from a Tar Heel perspective. Four Tar Heels here, their names called. No one picked up, though, afterwards in free agency. But we're going to talk about the four guys that were selected and the destinations that they are going to. Do they have a good chance to stick on the roster? Do they have a chance to make an impact in their first year with their teams? We'll tell you all of that. And we have to talk about the Tar Heels' first big target of the second transfer window. A guy that revealed his top six yesterday, a transfer from the Conference USA, uh, but a guy that was really accomplished a year ago and has a ton of teams in his top six that are amongst the best in the entire country. What do we think about the chances that Carolina could, first of all, add him to the room? And then I'll tell you a little bit about what I think about Carolina's chances to actually land him. But as I mentioned, we are going to start with the NFL draft and four Tar Heels do hear their names called. We knew three of them were probably going to be selected in this draft, although even with Antoine Green, it was starting to seem like it was a bit of a question mark. Well, now that he, that is no longer a question mark. He gets selected, and just eight picks after him, Raymond Voasic gets selected for the Tar Heels. That one probably a little bit more off the radar. I think a lot of people probably thought if – there was going to be a four-tariel. It would be Noah Taylor that was selected, but um, it, it ends up being Voasic, and we'll, of course, talk about him. But let's start by talking about the guy that we knew was going to be drafted in the first two days of the draft. And 
We got into that third round. It looked like there was a chance he might not, though. I think a lot of Tar Heel fans were starting to get a little bit concerned that uh, he was dropping as far as he did. But Josh Downs, eventually, with pick 79 of the draft in the third round, he ends up going to the Indianapolis Colts. And, you know, this is this is an interesting fit for him. Um, you know, he's going to be with a, a rookie quarterback. I think a lot of people were hoping if he was going to be with a rookie, it would be here in Carolina with yep. Bryce Young. But it's not. It's going to be him with Anthony Richardson in Indianapolis. And it's going to be in a receiving core where he's going to have to battle to try to earn a starting role this offseason. Probably not where a lot of Tar Heel fans were thinking he would end up. Yeah, no. I mean, this is a guy, by the way, my name is Josh Marlowe. I'm co-hosting today's edition of the pod. Oh, welcome. Um, This was one that I thought he was in play at 39 for the Panthers. And like selfishly, as guys who work in Charlotte wanted him here. It would make this team a lot more fun to cover. We'd have a a guy that we could talk about and say, look, we watched this guy up close for the last, you know, really two years on the field when he was with Carolina. That didn't happen. Um, I texted you on Friday night and thought, Whenever y'all drafted Hyatt, that I thought Josh Downs was in play. I thought my yep, uh, I, yep. I, I thought the same exact thing. I thought my New York Jets were going to draft him to give. Okay, we're we're just gonna we're just gonna <laughs> ignore we're gonna ignore that storyline here. Um, to give Aaron Rodgers a new weapon to throw to that didn't happen. Ultimately, like when you look at where he landed, I love it. I think he lands in a in, in a system. We we've seen we saw what Shane Steichen did a year ago in Philadelphia with the quarterback like he had in Jalen Hurts. Mm-hmm. You're looking at a guy that Anthony Richardson looked. Does Anthony Richardson struggle to make the easy plays? Yes, he makes the wow plays. Um, and and, and Jalen Hurts was phenomenal with guys like AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, and stuff like that. Josh Downs isn't either one of those two dudes. Those are all pro caliber wide receivers. But Josh Josh Downs is a really good is a really good wide receiver, especially in the slot where you're seeing guys in the modern NFL just make a living. And I look at the coach that he's with, the, his ability to design an offense to get the most out of his talent, and the quarterback that he's with. You know, you, you'd imagine there's going to be a lot of RPO in that offense. They're going to use some jet sweeps and some misdirection and a lot of stuff just, just to give the defense something to think about. I think if he if he finds himself on you know as he works on he's got a battle for playing time and stuff like that, if he carves out a role, I really like where where he landed because I do think if if this becomes a guy that is a guy that gets you know seven eight hundred yards on a year in year out basis, like to me this wouldn't surprise me. What surprised me was how long or how late he fell in the draft. Because I, I I thought there was no way he was lasting out of the second round. Uh, yeah, I mean, I had seen there was one mock draft that had him dropping that far. Now, I will say this. You saw some receivers drop, and I knew, I knew he was in trouble when Jalen Reed got taken over him. Because, look, I watched Jalen Reed at Michigan State. I like I like him. I think he's, he's going to be... A, good, a heck of a receiver. I saw some people that were very critical of uh, where he went in the draft, but I really thought that he would be a guy that 
would potentially, if if he was going to fall, he would go pretty early in that third round. And, you know, for him to last all the way to 79, I mean, look, great value pick for Indianapolis, I think. Um, But as you said, I think it's really interesting the fit with Shane Steichen. I think in terms of coaching, that might be the best fit for you. Because Shane Steichen was the offensive coordinator each of the last two years in Philadelphia. And those were the first two years of Devontae Smith's career. And I, I, I look, I'm not saying he's going to be Devontae Smith, but what's the one thing that he has that's similar to Devontae Smith? His frame. frame yeah. His frame is almost exactly the same. And, look, Devontae Smith was a guy people questioned when he came out, not because of the technical stuff, but because of his size, if he was a guy that would be able to last playing on the outside at the next level. And you wonder, could that be the same thing that he does with Josh Downs? We heard so much last offseason about how the staff wanted to move Josh Downs out of the slot at times and try to create those one-on-one matchups more often. Well, you didn't really see that this past year. They left him in the slot, and look, he still succeeded. Carolina really needed that. And hey, for the first 10 games of the year, why would you have moved him anywhere else? Mm -hmm. It was working. Um, But I think that's the next step to him becoming a, a... NFL caliber wide receiver. And, and and by NFL caliber, I mean a guy that can last in the league and make an impact in the league for a long time. I think this could work out brilliantly for him, um, especially if Anthony Richardson settles in and thrives, which, again, you look at Anthony Richardson, there are some comparisons to what Jalen Hurts did this past year in Philadelphia. Could work out pretty well with Shane Steichen there. Uh, that's the hope. Um, but yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I think, and I know, you know, body types, that's part of the reason why he probably fell. I don't think he should have been taken over Jalen Hyatt. I, To be honest with you, I don't hate the pick for the Giants, but I think that the Giants could have definitely used a slot receiver. We don't have a guy that you can rely on and go to down in, down out. And I think eventually that's what Josh Downs could be. Um, I thought he should have gone ahead or, uh, ahead of Cedric Tillman. Yeah. I mean, I like Cedric Tillman. The only reason I think he goes ahead of him is the big frame. But the thing with Josh Downs, too, is for a small guy, look at how many contested catches he won this past season. 18 contested catches. He brought down 13 of those at 5'9", 171. Yeah. It's not bad. It's not bad, man. No, it's not. And I mean, like, you know, from a route running perspective. Uh, oh, I mean, he's gotta be how he's gotta be one of the best at the top of the draft, right? Like yeah. guy, the smaller guys, like Tank Dell, great after the catch. And I thought Josh Downs, I mean, we didn't see it as much this year. I thought two years ago he was as good as anybody in college football after the catch. Yeah, like I'm not comfortable saying that he's a better route runner than Jackson Smith and Jigba. But I'm comfortable saying he's on par with them. That he 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 matches up and does and does a lot with them. You know, we were texting about this on Friday, and and now I I think the answer to this question ultimately is no. And and the question was was that should Mac Brown start moving wide receivers around in their offense to get them to the next level? The answer is no. Um, the most important thing for Mac Brown to do is is to win football games at the college level. It's it's I got right. into an argument the other day. It's 
it's not these coaches' jobs to put these guys in the league. Who? Well, look, like look, it's, they, it's a bonus. It's part of the job. Part of the job is to advance is to advance these guys to the next level. But here's the thing: even if you do get guys to the next level, if you're getting guys to the next level and you're winning four games a year, you're not going to be around. Yeah. Like so, you know, I I do I do wonder how much that might play a role in this moving forward. If, if you'll see Carolina be a lot more judicious with their wide receivers, giving them an opportunity to win on the outside and stuff like that, to, to better put themselves, you know, as as an NFL wide receiver, for all things considered, for considering he fell and went a lot later than I think any of us imagined, I I was not upset where he landed, and I am excited to watch him grow and develop because I do think Shane Steichen is a wizard and we'll get the most out of him. Yeah, I mean, selfishly there you know, once at, at 73 when he was still on the board, I was saying, "Oh man, I could see myself right now going and getting that down." Oh, I, I mean, dude, yeah, I mean, I I definitely wanted him with the Jets like it oh, just my God. You, you know, I mean, outside of like obviously I wanted him with the Panthers oh. first just because of like, you know, to, to get the chance to cover him watch him here after watching him at college would have been a lot of fun. And then, I mean, of course, for the teams that we respectively root for, of course we want him with the teams that we like. But where he landed and stuff like that, I am not going to complain about him being Indianapolis because I do think that'll be a a, a fun team to watch during the Sunday ticket, the red zone type of thing. I think that offense is going to move up and down the field. And I think it'll be fun to watch him grow and develop under Shane Steichen. Yeah, and at least – uh, we don't have to play him multiple times a year. I, I I am so glad that he did not go to the NFC East. I know that is apparently no longer your conference. Um, but it's I not. I was not thrilled when Ryan Switzer went to the Cowboys, Deami Brown went to the Commanders. It's like, yeah, I could I could take one of the guys that I actually love watching play, go somewhere else. Sam Howell to the Commanders, too. Got to play him twice a year. Like, Had <sighs> had he become an Eagle? Um, uh, uh, no. You were going to become an Eagle fan? No. I, I just would have just de- at deconstructed. This point, at this point, I don't know what to believe. Because, they, so, for people that are that are confused, for people that have tuned in and said, why is he referring to them as his Jets? Isn't this the man that has repeatedly said how he wants to spit in Aaron Rodgers' face <laughs> if he sees him in person? I don't yes. recall saying such things about yes. the chosen one. This is, this is the same person. But now, he has apparently converted to being a New York Jet fan for reasons that are rather unforeseen. I think it is possibly a midlife crisis. And you may say to yourself, how can a 26-year-old man have a midlife crisis? Well, folks, if you've seen the way we eat, we probably are at the midway point of our lives. It's, it's Secondly... It's not a midlife crisis. Though. I think it's a midlife crisis. If you, if you buy... If you buy a... Now I'm forgetting the name of it. If... Uh, now... I, I now I'm I, now I'm blowing it here. If you buy okay, there it is. If you buy a convertible car, I, I'm, I'm going to start to get really concerned. Yeah, I can't. Afford I'm going to get one. really concerned. Look, here's the simple fact of the matter. Um, this has been trending this way for quite some time. No, of, it really hasn't. Of, no, of all the pro teams that that I I care about. Okay, 
the Cowboys had become the team I was mm. least invested in. No, that okay. First of all, that is a lie um, because that was very, very clearly the New York Knicks. So you know, I'm a diehard Met fan. This is bad. This is bad for this podcast. It is, but, but you know what? You know, we, I had to explain what was going on because the next guy here is a cowboy. Is a cowboy. Normally, I don't know. See, I don't know if you'd be excited. I don't know what you would be, but. You would be breaking down Awesome Richards going to your team. He goes in the fifth round, pick 169. I I got to be honest. I thought pretty good range for him. You know, when you look at his pass protection numbers last year, yeah, down the stretch of the season they weren't great, but he still graded out very well at the end of the year according to Pro Football Focus. Mm-hmm. And a majority of the issues that he had late in the year came, um, you know, against – Guys on the edge that were squattier players, um, like he had, he had issues with with some of the outside linebackers that Clemson rolled his way. Um, guys that are going are currently or are going to be NFL players with that type of speed off the edge. Um, and I think you know you saw him at the Senior Bowl. They moved him inside to guard. He took a majority of his reps there at the Senior Bowl there, and I thought he looked pretty good. He's still, you know, as a run blocker this past year, didn't grade out great. I think he's still got some work to do in that area. But I thought, you know, for the most part, what we saw from him at Carolina as a run blocker, he was pretty solid at times. I I think this is, this is a pretty good pickup for the Cowboys who, you know, offensive line-wise, really good starting five as you would know, although you won't know anymore. Uh, but depth-wise, they still have they don't have a ton of depth back there. A lot of late-round guys, some undrafted free agents. This is a guy that might be able to help them a little bit more and add some depth, not only a guard but a tackle too. And 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 that's where that's where Dallas needs that depth the most. It's it's what's really hindered them down the stretch the last couple of years with injuries to to Tyron Smith among among on the right uh, among the right tackles as well. And so no, I I I, I really like I really like the pick. I like the fit. Um, he's he's going to be a depth piece at the at the start. But this is going to be a guy that is going to is going to battle, I think, for for reps, and will have a role in that rotation among that Dallas offensive line. And um, you know, he's going to a scenario where I feel like with the way that the Cowboys play offensive football, they'll get the most out of him, and and he'll be able to be a nice addition and a nice piece for a team, like you said. Their, their offensive line no longer the best in the league, but it's a top you know ten to twelve unit. But injuries have derailed them, and that's one of the thing that one of the things that they've really tried to address the last couple of years is building depth among that unit. They add that with Awesome Richards. Yeah, and I the how what I would compare it to, I would compare it to the role that Joshua Zudu had last year. Now, there was a point in the season with the Giants a year ago where Joshua Zudu had to start. I don't think you would you would see that with Dallas. I don't know how well that would serve him. But, you know, look, Dallas has been – I mean, they've done a good job. Look, they, they have a lot of guys that are high-round picks that are the stars of the unit, but they have typically done a pretty good job of developing some depth guys. They frankly have had to because some of the guys that are um, those 
high-level first-round picks, they get banged up a lot. Mm -hmm. So the guys that have to come in behind them are guys they've had to develop. I think this could work out really well for him. The versatility serves him very well. And, you know, I think having more stability, you know, his first few years, I mean, you know, he, he came in as a backup at left tackle and, you know, when he eventually became the starter, it was, you know, a couple years ago, Stacey Searles, I mean, we, we know he wasn't a great on-field coach. Much better recruiter, I think, than on-field coach. I say that. He's now the offensive line coach of a team that just won a national championship. Um, figure. But, well, I mean, let's be honest. Are we? How much credit are we actually giving him for that, though? With the way that roster's built? I mean, I don't know. But, I, mean, I mean, he may have been the guy that planted the seed that that team was doubted, and that's why they obliterated opponents all year long. That's about it. Yeah, yeah. Could be, could be. Um, I'm not. I'm going to choose not to believe that for my own <laughs> mental sanity. But, um, no, I mean, I, I think now being in a system where he's going to have, because last year he has Jack McNell come in, he has to learn a whole new system. It really didn't allow him, I think, to grow the way that I we thought he possibly could. Mm. So I, I think this will serve him well. I, I think he's a guy that's got a lot of upside to him. This is probably part of the reason why he left a year earlier than he had to. And I think he'll be able to develop in that system. Now let's go to the seventh round. Carolina has two guys taken there. The first one is Antoine Green, as mm. as we expected. That was about the range that he was being talked about. And, I mean, it makes a little bit of sense. I think, you know, when you account the injuries, I, it probably is part of the reason why um, he, he ended up dropping to where he did. But he goes in the seventh round, pick 219 to the Detroit Lions. Now, this is an interesting fit for him. Um, Detroit, team that doesn't have really a lot of receiver depth. I went on to ourlads.com, which is a site that has depth charts for NFL teams, college teams as well. But when I went on there today, just to look at the room one more time to sort of, you know, give you guys a breakdown of what their wide receiver room looked like. Antoine Green is listed, and take this for what it's worth. This is just analysts that are saying this. This is not officially from the Lions. Antoine Green is listed as a, a, a guy on the two deep, on the outside. Mm-hmm. He's by, he's slotted right now behind Josh Reynolds, who's you know not going anywhere, been a long-time receiver in the league, pretty solid player. Um, but... Their depth on the outside is Josh Reynolds and Marvin Jones as the starter. Maurice Alexander, I don't know how many people know that name. I don't either. And Trinity Benson. Mm. So this is a group that seems pretty pretty uh, uh, na- navigatable. Is that is that a word? Yeah, that's a word. Navigable. Nah, I think I'm going to go with the first one. Yeah. Um, but I think this this is a legitimate chance for him to get in here and make an impact early. The key for him, as it always has been at Carolina, is going to be staying healthy. Yeah, on the surface, I love this. Um, first off, he he kind of gets to wear 
he'll stay in, in, in some blue threads. They're not Carolina blue threads, but they're they're they're, they're close enough to it. And you're talking about an offense that'll let that thing fly. Yep. Yeah, Ben Johnson, you know, was this guy that we covered or we, we, we really dissected here in Charlotte as a potential head coaching candidate. Hell, I wanted him as the Tar Heels uh future head coach at yeah, some point. You know, um his offense is a lot of fun. Jared Goff has proven that he's more than just whatever he did with, with Sean McVay. So on the surface, I I love this. Um, I I think this is a place where he can go make an impact. The Lions are one of the most fun teams to watch in the NFL. He could be a guy making plays, you know, especially with the suspensions that happened to that team with with gambling and stuff like that. Yeah, that's one thing that has taken a big toll. You know, that's going to open up another role and another dimension here for him. Uh, but like you said, it it, it comes first off. Yes, it comes down to injuries. You you look at the injuries that that guy suffered in college. The fact he's still playing isn't a miracle, but it just shows the 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 mental fortitude, the perseverance that he has. But there's also a level of consistency as to why he was a seventh round pick. You're talking about a guy that seemingly made all the tough plays during his time at Carolina, but didn't make the simple plays, didn't make the easy plays, if you will, at times. You go back and watch the the, the Notre Dame tape from a year ago. He made two ridiculous catches, and then he dropped the ball right in front of us where we were sitting, and um, I let him hear about it while he trotted back down to the other end. So that's yeah. going to be the thing that he's got to yeah, work on. Yeah, he may on. have heard you on the field. He can be a big-time playmaker because he can make contested catches. We saw catches, it against Pitt, man. He took over that game. But he's also, like, if he wants to be I'm not not even an every-down receiver, if he wants to legitimately make an impact on that roster, though, he's got to become more consistent. And so hopefully, first off, his health will allow him to become a much more consistent player. But you're talking about a guy that, that has big play potential written all over him in an offense that's full of it. Yep. Um, and then so, you know, when I was looking, you know, through through all the fits, I like this just as much as I like Downs and Indy and Richards in Dallas. This is a guy that I feel like could be a playmaker next year and the years to come for the Detroit Lions. Yeah, I would probably put this second on the fit list um, behind Josh Downs. I mean, that's, that's where I'm at. I, I think... I mean, as you mentioned, suspensions play a role here. Um, when Jamison Williams comes back, he will be a guy that will be slotted ahead of him. Um, but outside of that, I mean, that's that's pretty much that's that's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. Because Stanley Berryhill, who's the other wide receiver, he, he's a slot guy. So this is a really good opportunity for for him. And I mean, again, he only has to beat out. Trinity Benson, who he's already listed ahead of on that roster, and Maurice Alexander, who was an undrafted free agent a year ago out of Florida International. So it's not like these are guys that have deep ties to this organization Mm -hmm. that have made plays for them in the past. This is a legitimate battle for him. And I think, again, if you just look at the overall skill set, he's probably better than those two guys. Um Taking the top off of defenses, that's what we saw from him the majority of his time at Carolina. Um, and yeah, I think uh, the consistency of the hands is going to be important. Because that's the thing. He consistently is creates space. He gets open. It's just, can he hold on to the football? Because there's just times that he's not able to. But as you said, the way that offense ran a year ago, you got Jared Goff coming back. They seem to believe in him at this point. And then the backup, 
Hendon Hooker, look at the offense that he came from last year. You don't think that if they try to recreate what he had at Tennessee, he could be not to the same extent maybe, but he could do similar things to what we saw from Jalen Hyatt. He also gets to learn under Marvin Jones, which that's what Marvin Jones does. He's a big play receiver. Mm -hmm. I think this works out really well for him. I will say this. I think 100% he makes this roster. I don't see, even as a seventh-round pick, I think he makes this roster no questions asked. Yeah, no, I I definitely agree with that. Like I said, I mean – I'm probably right there with you. I probably like this fit right as good up there, right behind Josh Downs. You look at the roster with the suspensions they got to go through. They've got to replace playmakers. You know, they you know you lose Jamison Williams. Um, you know, you trade away DeAndre Swift. Those are guys that that made big plays for for the Lions a year ago. A team that was playing for their playoff lives into the final week of the regular season. So, I I, I do feel like he will carve out a role. And have a spot on that roster. The role will be determined by how consistent he is, and of course, the most important thing: how healthy can he stay? And speaking of a guy that will need to stay healthy, that's what Raymond Boasik will have to do. Now he gets drafted, as I mentioned, just eight picks later, pick two twenty-seven to the Jacksonville Jaguars. And look, I mean, I don't, I don't hate the fit. I got to be honest; I didn't really look into places that he would fit. I. I did not think there was any chance that he would be drafted. Right. With all the injuries. I mean, you got you're talking about a guy that has missed the better part of the last two years due to injury. Um, I definitely think there's 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 some things that m- could make him an NFL player. We've seen him at times be a really successful run defender. Um, still, you know, work in progress rushing the passer. It needs to be probably a little bit more consistent, but we've even seen that flashed at times. The thing for him about this is that he's going to have to navigate some experienced players ahead of him yeah. to make this roster. Um Davon Hamilton, uh, Fularunzu, Fadakasi, they are going to be the starters next year in, in the middle. But then you've got Adam Gotsis, who's a veteran, longtime veteran. They added him in the offseason from Denver. Uh, Michael Dogbe uh, is a guy that's a four-year uh, guy at the NFL level. And Henry uh, Mondo, who's a guy that I know well from the New York Giants, also a guy that's been in the league for four years. So these are experienced guys that are in front of him. Uh, he's listed as a nose tackle as of right now on their Our Lads depth chart. I, again, no idea where they're actually going to think about using him. But this is he, he, has, he has his work cut out for him, I think, to make this roster, even as a seventh-round pick. This might come across harsh. I don't intend to it to be. This this was a a camp body draft pick. This is what this was. Was this was a way cuz you got to get your roster up to 90 and then you got to trim it. This felt like a move where well, I mean, look, they, they took him in the 7th round. So he's probably going to be one of the last guys cut. Now, if I remember correctly, can't is it this year where you can keep all 90 guys until the final week of the preseason? You just cut everybody in one fell sw- fellow swoop? I think that's right. That, you know, that... So, I look, he'll be one of those guys... You, if you're spending a draft pick, you're not spending it on a guy that you're just going to cut all willy-nilly, but... 
I mean, yeah. I clearly, clearly, I guess there there was something that they liked about him, right? Yeah. No, you're you're definitely right. I just uh, I don't see him having a future in the NFL. And a lot of it, I don't think he's going to be able to stay healthy. Enough. And and a lot of it, like it's it's his fault, but it's not his fault, right? A lot of it's injuries. The worst thing he ever did was peaked during the end of the 2019 year. Like, you go back, that defense was starting to come together under Jay Bateman. That defensive line was fantastic. You remember when they mauled NC State to secure their bowl eligibility. I mean, his jersey was red from how many NC State guys he has. He has one of the most legendary hits So as well in that he he did Stretch. a lot of things that really just, and I mean, remember the next year, did Phil Steele had him as like an all ACC caliber player, and it just never happened. Well, he lo- got remember he got off to a really good start in 2020, and then he gets hurt against Boston College. He tries to play through it, and it just it didn't it didn't pan out. So you know, it's it's just, I mean, like I'm happy that he got drafted. Um, we were on our way to work when we saw that he got drafted, and it was a reaction of kind of like WTF, like happy, and then WTF kind of just confused because we weren't expecting him. Like, we were waiting for Noah Taylor's name to get called, and then it was Ray Velasics. So I, I just... Yeah, I mean, look, I didn't think either one of them were going to get drafted. Yeah, I, gotta I, be honest, I like, didn't either. Then- and for Taylor... I think, and and we can just you know say right here about him not getting picked up yet as a free agent. It's it's the injury, like well, that's it's, the, it's to me that's the only thing. If you look at his tape last year, it's not good tape. Like like the stats, I mean, the stats. Will he was say, one of the best players on that defense. That's not saying a but, whole and, lot, and that's but, the problem. Like like that's the thing that really sucks about these guys is. There's a lot of individual talent that I do think exists on on the defense. But when you look at the tape that they produce, it's it's hard to draft those types of guys. Well, unless I mean, you're did. just confident that you you can get the most out of them um after a staff didn't get the most out of them in college. So it 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 was it was just confounding that, you know, he that he got drafted because I never once thought Going into the draft, he he was going to get drafted. Well, I mean, yeah, I I think, and a lot of it was because I think we we just we had seen him miss so much time that we said, how would he be able? Uh, how, how would teams really know what he's able to do? Would somebody take a risk on him? I mean, you know, I thought with Noah Taylor, I mean, he at least had the production that he had at Virginia. Yeah, I, I thought the first half of the year. I thought he was pretty good. I thought he was one of the best players on on that defensive side of the football. I thought he did some really good things in the run game for Carolina. I, th- I thought you saw that disappear once he exited the lineup. I, and, I mean, you could just see the difference between him and Chris Collins. We've talked about that multiple times. A huge drop-off. So I think for him, it made sense. I When I wrote the article previewing the draft, I put in there, with Ray Boasa, because there were two, there were two mock drafts that had Noah Taylor being drafted. One of them had him being drafted in the fifth round. 
So, which, I mean, these are legitimate dudes that are, do. these are guys that have been longtime mock drafters, and two of them placed him in the draft, one in the fifth round. Mm. But I, I, I thought, okay, he'll probably go undrafted, he'll get picked up. Ray Vowasik, I literally could not find a mock draft that he was in. And I dug into just, I mean, ones that are done by people that are complete no-names. Did you do my mock draft? I did. I couldn't understand why they were all going to the Jets yet, but now it pieces (laughs) together. But, like, I couldn't find a single one that had him getting drafted. And so I, I, in my eyes, I thought, okay, well, that makes sense. I thought, honestly, with him, I thought to myself, this is probably a guy that is going to be lucky if he lands on a team in in camp. You know, maybe it wasn't that outlandish, but I thought, man, he's been away for so long. Really, he's got one year of production after being a JUCO transfer. How, how much is that really going to be able to help him to get to the NFL level? And look, I'll, I'll give him credit, man. Whatever he, he did at his pro day, he knocked it out of the park. He clearly did a great job in the interviews. Jacksonville clearly saw something that they liked about him. And I'm going to tell you right now, I I hope I hope he comes out and just destroys it. I hope he's tremendous and makes that roster and becomes a a, a legitimate starter in the NFL. That'd be amazing. Yeah, I mean, but no one's saying that we don't want that to no, happen. No, of course I just, not. I, I just look. Don't see I it think happening. I think with him, the thing that was frustrating about him was not the way that he played. I thought the biggest issue that you had with him was injuries. If he stays healthy, I think he would have been a legitimate contributor. And what sucked is he came back for an extra year to try to get back the year that he had lost prior due to injury, and he gets banged up again. So mm. I, I think, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to monitor those guys moving forward. But, yeah, I think we can both agree Josh Downs lands in probably the best spot. But altogether, I think everybody's got a pretty good opportunity in this draft. Honestly, it's probably about the best that I've felt about where these guys have landed in a long time because there were certain guys, like when Daz Newsome got drafted by the Bears, I knew he wasn't making that roster. With all the receivers that he had in front of him, everything like that, didn't really make a whole lot of sense. This one, I I feel pretty good about all these guys' situations. So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk to you about a guy that the Tar Heels could possibly be looking to add to this year's roster. 2023, can they get another defensive back out of the transfer portal. Stick around for that on this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Back right after this. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba da ba ba ba. There are plenty of ways to find out everything that you need to know about Tar Heel football and basketball. Just go to Facebook, search at Heel Tough Blog, and find the Heel Tough Blog Facebook page and like it. When you do, everything the articles, the podcasts, all in one central location on your timeline. Not a big Facebook user? Head over to Twitter. 
at HeelToughBlog on Twitter. Make sure you give it a follow. And you can follow the personal pages of our talents here at the Heel Tough Blog at HTB Anthony for Anthony Pagnata, myself at HTB underscore Josh for Josh Marlowe, and at HackZubber2 for our recruiting analyst, Zach Hubbard. Hey guys, welcome back into this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Anthony Pagnata, Josh Marlowe with you. I actually introduced you that time, so that's a step up. Um, but let's get into the Tar Heels First transfer target of the second window. So Carolina's lost four guys to the portal. They've almost lost. They almost lost five, um, but they did get the news that Don Chapman is returning. Uh, but Carolina apparently uh, not satisfied with the secondary that they have, and it seems like that's probably a smart move considering the struggles that they've had there. Uh, so they are taking a look at UAB transfer safety Jalen Key, and you may be saying to yourself, "Well, a UAB transfer." Well, I will say this: last year, um, what with the Blazers, sixty total tackles. Four and a half tackles for loss, one sack, two forced fumbles, three interceptions, and one pass deflection. Now, the interceptions are probably something that gets you a little bit intrigued. But when you then realize that he played in the slot as well as at the safety position, something that it seems like the Toriels have valued a lot here, Antavius Lane did that at Georgia State, Derek Allen did that at Georgia Tech, um... But you you look at the amount of snaps that he played there this year. I mean, it wasn't a ton, um, but it was still a pretty significant amount uh, where he was in coverage. 155 snaps in the slot. Um, Overall, uh, he took... Now, see, I'm trying to read Pro Football Focus on the fly here, and this is not working out as well as I was hoping. But um, still, I mean, he he was matched up uh, in legitimate coverage situations probably a little bit more than you would expect, but uh, 33 catches allowed the entire season, uh, or 22-23 catches allowed the entire season on 33 uh, targets, 273 yards allowed, and zero touchdowns. The better part is, in coverage, the rating that he allowed this past season was a 56.8. And, I mean, look, 39.6 is the rating of an incompletion. That means that they give you a 39.6 just for throwing the football into the ground as long as it doesn't get intercepted. This past year... He had three games where he registered that passer rating against him and two games that were below that. Now, one game he wasn't targeted in. The other one he was targeted five times in. He did allow three catches, but only for 17 yards and had an interception for a rating of 26.7. So this is a guy that if Carolina brings him in at the safety position or if they want to play him at the nickel, he is just based off the numbers, much better in coverage than most of Carolina's secondary a year ago, primarily at those two spots where he would play. Yeah, and I told you, coming out of the spring game, there was nothing on this roster that should stand in the way from them going to find help at the safety position. And uh, I was right. And this this is a good well, sign. They are attempting to find, but this is they're not just sitting there. They're not going through. Well, we're confident in the guys that we have, and and all that type of stuff. This is them noticing. Hey, 
we got a problem. We need to address this problem because it's like I've said it and I'll, and I'll say it till I'm blue in the face. Until they upgrade that level of their defense, it it they're never going to be the type of defense that they want to be. This defense is going to give up yards. This defense is going to give up some points. Yep. You've got to have a dynamic game changer in that backfield. This guy offers that ability with his ability to make tackles in the backfield, to intercept the ball, to, to, to force fumbles, his ability to lock in on a receiver and, and, and make life a living hell for that guy. And Carolina needs that. This, this is the type of guy that could make – could make the game so much easier for other guys because you can look at him and say, we trust him when he's on the field. Mm-hmm. Outside of Carolina's linebackers, who on this defense do you actually trust to do their assignment to the best of their ability as often as possible? I don't even trust the coaches. So, you know, this, this needs to be a guy that, you know, look, there are some big schools involved with him, Ohio State, Bama. Uh, Ole Miss, Oregon, you got listed here. This won't be easy. This has to be one that, you know, Mac Brown and that staff, they do their best recruiting pitch, and they try to find a way to get this guy in Carolina blue. Because if his, if, his, if his history and his track record are anything, this is the type of guy that could help take to help elevate this defense in a, in a major way, which is needed for this team if they want to compete for an ACC championship game appearance. Well, I mean, look, I, to, yeah, there's no, there's no question they need to push for this one. Um, you look at the the other teams that are involved in this, and I mean, it's it's pretty obvious that Carolina needs help. They probably present him with the best situation to play. I mean, look, I I know he's a good player. If he goes to Bama, if he goes to Ohio State, I mean, you're talking about just some of the best competition that you're going to face. I mean, look at the guys that have been drafted in the last few years, um, and especially even this year from Bama's perspective, out of that secondary. Like, you're you're talking about a, a level of competition that he's going to have to compete with that will be about as high as any in the country. Where Carolina, he could walk in and very well – even if you know it will take him some time, he could walk into that room, and as long as he looks even remotely um, sound within the first couple of days of camp, he could be a starter. Because that safety room is a complete mess. Mac Brown said that earlier this offseason, um, when or or during spring camp, he he said, you know, we're we're looking for answers at safety. Now, part of that was because of injuries. Part of that's because of inconsistency, though. And the other thing that he does, you know, the coverage stuff is is really good. And, look, Carolina's safeties a year ago, I mean, they struggled at times in coverage. I mean, even Will Hardy, a guy that, you know, didn't play really until the end of the year, he played 323 snaps a year ago and allowed 157 yards in coverage. Where, you know, Key didn't play – I mean, played far more snaps – and I mean, didn't allow. I mean, I mean, allowed almost the same amount of yards in coverage. The other thing that I really liked about him is the tackling success. Missed eight point seven percent of his tackles. There's only one safety 
that played a year ago that missed a lower percentage of tackles than that for the Tar Heels. And that was Don Chapman, and he missed 8.6%. But Don Chapman is not going to be able to cover the way that Jaden Key, Jalen Key, is going to be able to. Um, I mean, it, to me, it's yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty simple. I mean, a guy that played 521 snaps a year ago allowed 273 yards in coverage and would easily, out of the safeties, have the best passer rating allowed on this team. Or um, you know, run with the guys that you have right now. And look, I mean, Antavius Lane. Is a guy that's going to come in and 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 potentially play a big role for Carolina when he arrives. Remember, he was a guy that committed back in March, but was not enrolled in time to be able to participate uh, with the team in the spring. But he'll join the team in the summer. Still, I think as many different guys as you can throw at this, and I think I maybe I'm wrong on this. I know a lot of people have just kind of looked at him and said he's the guy, no questions asked. I got to be honest. If there's somebody that can be more consistent at the nickel corner spot, they should start over DeAndre Boykins. Yes. And I think that's a legitimate thing that this staff should be looking at. I don't know if they are, and that concerns me. You're talking about a dude that allowed the most receiving yards of anyone in college football a year ago. At 724 yards on 58 uh, catches. Yep. 74% of the balls that were thrown his way were caught. Mm. So, I mean, look, part of that could be the system. The other part of it is that he's just not great in that role. He's a guy that honestly, when you look at how he plays – probably fits better at safety than he fits as a nickel. But we'll have to see. But I like, I'm with you. I like Carolina being in on this. The problem is, is with Alabama, Ohio State, Florida State, Ole Miss, Oregon. I mean, all of those are probably seen as better destinations right now than Carolina. Yeah, it doesn't make sense for him to be a Tar Heel, but this is where... Like I said, though, I think this might present the best opportunity. I mean, if he comes in and and, and shows what he showed at UAB, I mean, he's probably a starter, right? Did he probably win Defensive Player of the Year. Like, I, I could see a scenario where if he comes in and plays well and Antavius Lane comes in and plays well, those are your two starting safeties right there. Yeah. So, I mean, this has to be one where Mac Brown, Gene Chizik, Charlton Warren, those guys, they're selling the vision. Yes. And outlining how much of an impact he could make on this on, on, on And this if you're Gene Chizik, you're selling the fact that look at what we did the last time here with the safeties. We had a lot of success. Yeah. So that's the thing that you're hoping will land home with him. I mean, you could even point to – you're going to play him at nickel, what you were able to do with MJ Stewart. I think that's got to be your sales pitch. The other thing that you like to see about this is that Carolina, is st- they are going to be active in this second transfer window. I don't know how active. I don't think they're going to have a ton of targets. I think it'll probably be very refined, maybe two or three, but it's a good sign to see that they are still trying to add to this roster, which we're expecting despite the downfalls that the defense has had and a new offensive coordinator, 
to be competing for an ACC title appearance, to at least finish third in the ACC this season if Florida State has the type of year that we're expecting and Clemson does as well. Well, I mean, they have no choice. Like, if you sit back and you're not aggressive and you waste Drake May and you don't do to this roster what you're putting it in the best position possible to compete and win at the level that you need to win with this type of quarterback. And the type of recruiting that you've done in general, too. It's, you know, it's it's going to be a hard pill to swallow when Mac Brown looks back on his second stint in Chapel Hill and kind of like his first stint where, for the like his first stint, he could say, I, I accomplished what I set out to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Right now, I don't think that answer is a definite yes. So th- this is why this year there needs to be that sense of urgency because after this year, the program you would imagine is going to go through a mini rebuild as they try to find what would probably be uh, uh, another quarterback that they could put in the NFL. Yeah, and I mean, look, who knows? Maybe they have to go into the transfer portal. One thing I will say, as much as he complains about it, you got to at least appreciate the fact that Mac Brown is still going into the portal to get guys. So that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast. Uh, make sure you head over to the website, HeelToughBlog.com. We got an article up there about Jalen Key sort of breaking down um, you know, what Carolina could possibly get with him even more in depth than we talked about here on the podcast. Also, make sure that you guys are checking out um, the other great football content that we have up on the website. Uh, it's been a little bit now, but Carolina still, you know, one of the hotter teams on the recruiting trail. Um, you know, make sure you go back and check out uh, the articles uh, that we have put up recently about uh, Jaden Patterson, who is now officially ranked, um, which is big news for Carolina. They've been landing a lot of unranked guys so far in this class. And to get him on board and now have a guy uh, that that is ranked inside of the top 1,000, not saying that it's anything great, but again, showing that this is a guy that uh, you know, people are that, that that some of these guys are probably sort of delaying uh, their evaluations on. I think works out uh, really well for Carolina. And of course, check out the article on Peter Pasansky. We broke him down on the last edition of the podcast. But head over there and, and, and check out the article that we have written about him. He dropped a little bit in the recent rankings. Actually, Jaden Patterson uh, closing in on him in the most recent edition of the rankings. But uh, still, a guy uh, that is a solid three-star prospect uh, that Carolina landed over Oklahoma, so make sure that you are checking that out. On the basketball side of things, there are a lot of rumors going around, guys. Uh, We're hearing either today uh, or tomorrow will be the day that Carolina will have something revealed. I don't know if it's a reclassification, if it's a transfer coming in, what it's going to be, but apparently there is good news coming to Tar Heel basketball, so keep an eye on the website. Josh will have you covered with whatever that breaking news is, and of course, we will have you covered on the podcast, and Make sure that you guys are listening to the Four Corners podcast. Both podcasts have moved their hosting sites to Omni from Megaphone. So if you're still looking for us on Megaphone, if you're still looking for those links to come out, uh, you will not be able to find those. But you will be able to find the new Omni links. We tweet those out every time that we put up an edition of the podcast. And you guys, of course, can make sure that you check it or, or you guys can, of course, subscribe. Subscribe to the podcast wherever 
you listen to your podcast uh, so that you don't miss an episode. They don't have the subscribe feature on Omni. That's where you just go to get the regular episodes. So we encourage you to go to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, uh, plenty of different options for you to be able to track down the podcast and subscribe to it so that when a new edition comes out, it goes straight into your podcast library for both of those podcasts. So once again, that wraps it up for this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Want to thank Josh for hosting with me. Want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. listening to this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. If you could, make sure you head over to wherever you listen to your podcast, find out where you can rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, and go ahead and do that for us. The rating and reviewing, that helps us to move up some of those rankings, and the subscribing, that is for you, so you don't miss any editions of the podcast coming up. We look forward to you being a part of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast family moving forward, and thank you once again for listening to this edition.